Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. And it's about um, the joy of the season that we're in. The joy of the season that we're in. I don't know what season you are in, but I mean, as a church, we are in an interesting season. As a church, we are in a, some might feel a transition. And maybe you come here every Sunday and you're like, oh, when are they going to get done? And I'd have the same idea. Amen. And God just sort of challenged me on that. And He says, you're missing the chapter that I'm writing. Like you are missing out because you're living in the tomorrow. We're going to look back at however long we're going to be here. And it's going to be a joyous chapter in our story. Amen. God is cutting away fluff. God is making us, uh, I want to say, pure disciples. Amen. <laughs> God is cutting away what is not important. And He's just giving us an opportunity to just zone in on the Word. Zone in on community. Worshipping Him in, in, in spirit and truth. And really not with, with anything else. Okay. So every week we try and make it more comfortable for you. You'll see at the back... It's closed, okay? You'll see there's some nice blankets. So if you're cold, please reach to someone and get a blanket. We've got four heaters. So we're not trying to make light of the situation. But I just felt God say to me, the week that we moved in, He said to me, now you can stop stressing and start enjoying. And, um, and I did that Sunday. And then, like, you know, ministry, even if you have a public holiday, Sunday still comes in seven days. <laughs> so you still have the week, like, that needs to happen. And Sunday comes again. And I mean, I promise you, as soon as I drive out from here, I start thinking about next Sunday. That's just how it is. That's how I'm now wired because there's a lot that happens in between, but Sundays are, are our big milestones for the week. And I just wanted to encourage you as well. Maybe you're going through difficulties. Maybe you're in between jobs. Maybe you like wanting to get married, but like finances are not there yet. Maybe that's a word for someone. Like, don't miss out on the season that you're in. God is never at rest. God is never not working. Amen? Like, the evidence is clear. The evidence is there. And, and sometimes what God is doing is foundational. Amen? It's not the, the mountaintop stuff. But like what Marisa said, it's deep in our hearts that there's a foundational work that God is doing. And you know what? The stronger the foundation is, the bigger what we can build. The more we dig out the sand, no pun intended, and we build on the rock, amen, the bigger we can build. Whether that's for the church or for your life. And then Paul had a word from Psalm 27, 1 that says, If God's grace doesn't help the builders, they will labor in vain to build a house. If God's mercy doesn't protect the city, all the centuries will circle it in vain. And I think that's just so important for all of us to realize, like, if God is doing it, it's a good thing, amen. If God is in it, there's, there's hope. If God is in it, I'm in it. Amen? I'd rather be like Moses and say, I'm only going where you're going, God. Like, I'm not going anywhere else. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. As a leadership, we are 100% convinced that this is where we need to be. Okay, we don't know why. <laughs> we just know that we've heard God and that we're here. When I was awake at 2 this morning, and it was raining like this, I was praying. I said, Lord, just give us... An opportunity to set up, to get the equipment in, to get the people in. Amen? 
So you can stay all day, amen? <laughs> You're in now, amen? The gas bottles have been refilled. You'll be okay. There's coffee. We'll be here until the rain stops, amen? I'm, the, I'm like, we need to just be sure what we're sure, sure about. Be serious about what God is serious about, amen? And I want to just share that with you. Let's not miss the season that we're in. And then we're looking at overcoming. Now, it's funny that most, if not all of us, have something to overcome. Even if it's a colleague at work, <laughs> or a situation, or a boss, or um, maybe you're looking for a new place to live, or you're just making it to the end of the year, or I spoke to some of the students. I don't know if you overcame test week, or you just got through test week, like, depends, but you're, on, you're still alive, amen? Noah, you're still alive. <laughs> and you were serving. And you were here on Friday before you were at a big test for men's camp, which was awesome. So for all of us, it's really about perspective, isn't it? Perspective is a big part of how we go through life. And like again, God said to me, you can stop worrying about the venue now and start enjoying it. Did the venue change? No. But my perspective about it changed. Amen? So we're looking at John 20 this morning. And um, John 20 speaks about the miracles of Jesus. Okay? It says, And many signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. Okay? So it says, There's a lot of things Jesus did that we'll never know about. Anyone sad about that? I'm a little bit sad about that. Okay? He says, That He did not write it in this book. So He's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about the Gospel of John. We must be very specific in our Bible study. Amen? But these are written that they might believe that Jesus is the Christ. I mean, this is deep. And the Son of God. And that believing that you might have life through His name. So it says there's specific miracles or signs or supernatural things that happened that John, who was walking with Jesus, only wrote down certain of those miracles. Everyone with me? Okay. He goes on in the next chapter as he closes the letter and he says in verse 25 of chapter 21, and these, there are also many other things which Jesus did. Again, so he reiterates it. The which, if they should be written, every one or one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Okay, so that's probably not technically true because Jesus only lived for 33 years. But he's, he's making a big thing. He says, Guys, there's so much that happened. But I'm writing to you about the important stuff. I see these days you get these apps that um, summarizes the books. And that like in, in 15 minutes you can get the, the heartbeat of a book that would take you maybe 15 days to read. I mean, that's part of the sickness of our busy lives. But what he's doing here as well is he says, I'm giving you what you need. I'm not giving you everything. I'm giving you exactly what you need. Now we need to ask ourselves, what do we need? Ask yourself this morning, what do you need? What do I need? Maybe you think it's uh, like my parents used to say, your you skip with income. Huh? Or that, I mean, is it September? Some people get bonuses in September. Maybe you're just holding on till the end of the month. Amen? Like, share some of that with us. We're holding on with you. Amen? <laughs> What is it that you need? Maybe you need a new job. Maybe you, need, you think you need a spouse. Or a new spouse. God forbid, amen? I'm not uh, like... God looks at the heart, amen? <laughs> Maybe it's a word of knowledge for someone. Speak to me afterwards. 
So we see that not everything that Jesus did was recorded. Okay, John 20 verse 30 in the Passion Translation says, Jesus went on to do many more miraculous signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not even included in this book. Okay, but John recorded a specific number of miracles for a specific purpose. Okay, that's my introduction. Am I, have I convinced you? Okay, that's very important. So what's the purpose? The purpose is, what do you need? But all this is recorded so that you will fully believe that Jesus is the Anointed One, the Son of God, and that through your faith in Him, you will experience eternal life by the power of His name. Some of you were here a while ago, I think it was still in Pretoria Hotel, when I shared one Sunday on the new wine and the wedding feast in Canaan, and how that is a portrayal of the Gospel of Christ, and how the water of the, 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 the stone parts, the law, has been replaced miraculously, and now the Word says the new wine is better. Amen? That was a, for me, that was a profound message. And, and from that day, I was been thinking about, like, you know, in parables, there's, there's a story and then there's the meaning or the moral of the story. And it's as if the Holy Spirit planted something in my heart that said, look at the miracles. They are portraying the gospel. Okay? Look at the miracles. They are portraying the gospel. And even in my Bible study, I've got notes on some of the miracles, how the Holy Spirit revealed to me the gospel. Okay? And that was before I realized what I've just shared with you. Because what I shared with you now is exactly that. What you need is to believe in Christ. So I, John, have written to you certain miracles that Jesus did so that you believe the gospel. I've written to you certain miracles that Jesus did so that you will believe in the Son of God and that you will have life eternal and everlasting. So, what are those miracles? Let's look at them. The miracles that John wrote about to get you born again. Is that how we can say it? That's exciting stuff, man. This is, this is, this is, you think, you think we're going deep, but we're actually not. We're always coming back to the gospel. (laughs) I asked my wife last night, I said, you never asked me what I preach about. And, um, she said, well, no, I do. I said, yeah, but you didn't ask me what I'm preaching about tomorrow. And she said, what are you preaching about? You see, I'm, I drew it out from her. <laughs> I wanted to start the conversation. And I said, well, I'm preaching about the gospel in the miracles of John. And she was like, you're preaching about the gospel? <laughs> like, sarcastically, lovingly, I mean, because she knows me. She knows what we're about. So, the miracles that John wrote about so that you can get born again. You have me. How are you going to treat the Gospel of John differently from now on? You need to preach what? The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ so that people can get born again. We don't preach water into wine because we live in Stellenbosch. Amen? That's not an abundance teaching. That's not a multiplication teaching. That's a Gospel teaching. Amen? So we're looking at the seven signs. The eighth one, amazingly, is... Eight is the number of grace or new birth. The eighth miracle in the Gospel of John is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? So when the Gospel is complete, seven, the new birth is what follows. This is amazing stuff. I get excited. Turning water into wine. Okay? When we teach turning water into wine, when we study turning water into wine, what do we study? What are we looking for? We're looking for the Gospel. Amen? When Jesus heals the nobleman's son... John says, I wrote that not to show you that Jesus heals. No, I wrote that to show you that he, Jesus heals eternally. Amen? When he wrote about the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus 
did something there to portray the heart of the Father for healing, but there's more to it. There's a deeper meaning, and the deeper meaning is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And we're going to look at that one specifically today. Feeding the 5,000 men. We had 35 men here a week ago on Saturday. You know how many Budavos rolls it takes to feed 35 men? <laughs> and we gave them the option to say, I want two. Okay? And a lot of them said, no, thank you. They were very polite and proper. I know myself. I said, give me two. Amen? <laughs> I'll pay extra. Most of the guys who did not say, I want two, wanted two. Amen? <laughs> so when Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus women and children... It's not t- talking about bread and fish. It's the gospel. Amen? And it speaks about the wisdom of this world versus the wisdom of God. The world looks at whatever Jesus is in their eyes, and they say, how can this save the world? Anyone with me? Jesus looks at the fish and the bread, and He says, Father, thank you for what we've got. And that's it. I mean, we can teach gratitude there. We can teach contentment there, but we should teach the gospel there. Amen? So we are content with what we've got, because what we have is Christ. Amen? What we have is foundational. 1 Corinthians 3 says, there's no other foundation that could be laid than the one that's already been laid, which is Christ. That's the foundation of the Bible. Amen? Amen. If they teach you other stuff, well done. But it's not going to change your life. Amen? It's not going to change your eternal state. It's not going to empower you to help others. Walking on water is not about Peter's faith. Walking about water is about overcoming the natural realm, having your mind set on things above, focusing on Christ. Hebrews 12 explains it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Anyone blessed by what we shared on faith last week? I I was super blessed by that. We even spoke about it on Tuesday again. Feeding the 5,000, walking on water, healing a man born blind. The disciples asking, Lord, whose sin caused this man to be blind? Why? They believe in generational curses. You know why? They don't read their Bible. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we've got a YouTube page. Amen? And on that YouTube page, Shane and I had a lot of fun sharing on generational curses. So you can go look for that and enjoy yourselves. For time's sake, we're not going to do that today. But that's a great way for you to share on the message. Amen? The message of the gospel, the message that makes us free. Healing a man born blind. Isaiah 61 says... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to what? Preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring deliverance to the captives, to bring sight to the blind. He's not talking about physical healing. Not only. Because in the New Testament, in the epistles, it speaks about once you were illuminated, once you've been enlightened. When Paul goes on his way to Ananias, what happens? And an eyes prays for him, and it says, as if scales fell off his eyes. I do not believe it was in the natural. Because nowhere else, who had scales fall off their eyes when they received Christ here? Maybe I'm the only one who's doubtful. But what has happened, when I turned to Christ, the veil was removed. And I could see clearly, and Paul who knew that this Old Testament, the scriptures back to front, when they prayed for him and he saw Jesus, it's as if scales fell off his eyes and he looked into the New Testament or the Old Testament from a new perspective. He actually writes about, writes about that, doesn't he? 1 Corinthians 3, I believe, where he says, if we turn to Christ, the veil is removed. 
as if scales has fallen off his eyes. Amen? He was zealous for God. Anyone here have been zealous for God without grace? <laughs> danger, danger. Amen? Tiring. That's true, Peter. Tiring. Miserable. Unsuccessful. Amen? I've done that. I've tried that. It doesn't work. This one is easy. Resurrecting Lazarus from the grave. It's not about Lazarus come forth. It is about resurrection power. Amen? And you can see even, and we'll teach on that one definitely, once Jesus says, Jesus, Lazarus come out, that's the signature of the high priest. Kill him. Jesus really exchanged his life for that of Lazarus. You can read it and you can see that that's why he was four days late. Because it was, this was serious stuff. It wasn't just about healing. Now, what I want to share with you this morning, I believe is, is, is going to help you. Amen? Because if we look at this, turning water into wine, healing a nobleman's son, healing the man at the pool of Bethesda, who was lame for 38 years, I think, feeding the 5,000, walking on water, healing a man born blind, and resurrection ladders, you and me have some issues in life, some, some, some challenges, some troubles, that might fit into one of those categories. Okay, I'm going to say it because you're too holy. Maybe you don't have wine. Maybe you've run out of wine. Okay. <laughs> you're in Stellenbosch. Maybe you need healing for your son. Or a child. Or, or, or maybe you need healing physically. Maybe you've been struggling, walking around with something for 38 years or longer. Trying to get into the pool. Trying to touch the, the healing power of God. Trying to receive the healing that some people say that you've got. Maybe you don't have enough to make it to month end. Maybe you have a lot of people over and you have to say FHB. You know what FHB is? Family hold back. Family hold back amen. <laughs> That's when you don't believe in multiplying power. You say family hold back. Maybe you're in debt. So that miracle speaks to you. Maybe you're just so in the storm that you, you don't know how and which way is up. Maybe you're tired and weary and, and like there's just waves crashing all over you. And you need someone to, to just lift you out of the troubles or the misery. And, and you just so wish that you could be overcoming. That you can be on top of the challenges that you're facing. Or maybe you're looking around and you're like, I just don't see what these guys see in the Word. We, we get that. <laughs> I, I, I don't agree. Can I say publicly, that's okay. That's okay. We do not need to agree, to agree about every interpretation of every verse of the Bible. Who's got family that you don't agree with? I mean, we don't even support the same rugby teams. But yet we're family. Amen. It adds some spice. Amen? It makes the relationship real. So maybe you, you need to see it or get a revelation. Or maybe you just feel close to dead. Or you're stuck in a tomb. Or in a dead end. Or you're waiting for God to just say, Hey, whatever your name is, come forth. Maybe you, you're walking around with this calling. And you're wanting to step out and, and live the life. But you're fearful. I know, because I've been there too. Two years, I knew I was called and I was, I was excited, but I was fearful to, to actually step out. And you know what I realized? That's, this message just 
sort of grew in my heart over this week that passed. If you listen to the healing um, thought that I shared yesterday, some of this is included in there. But you know what? All of that speaks to one thing, really. It speaks to fear. Fear of sickness means fear of death. Fear of lack often is fear of people. If you owe people money, you're either fearful for your life or you're fearful for the ones that you owe the money to. Or it's the, the, like the perspective that you portray of yourself, that you so, you've got everything together and then you're fearful that someone's going to see that you don't. Amen? Maybe you're afraid that you're never going to receive your healing. You've tried and you've done it and maybe you've, you've given up. Maybe you're fearful of death. Minister to someone recently, she's like, I'm really just so afraid of dying. I mean, it's a very real fear. I'm sure there's a term, a phobia for, for, for that. And I mean, my neighbor who's on my hit list, Pierre, you said we must call it a love list. I think I, I agree with that. We love them so much that we want to take them out for Christ. I mean, that's a, that's a hit list. They are so afraid of sickness because they're so afraid of death. And that's really where I believe COVID went crazy is because people weren't sure about eternity. They weren't sure about their salvation, so they were afraid of dying. Um, I mean, I had COVID a few times. And like, I knew I wouldn't die. But I know people who did. So it is real. I mean, but you can see then the base, the root then of everything that is a challenge or a trouble for us. I believe if you take it down far enough, it goes down to fear. which I think is quite profound and actually then makes it actually easy to deal with. Because the word says so beautifully in 1 John 4 that perfect love does what? Casts out fear. So now I'm asking you, what is perfect love? Because if we are fear in our hearts and we believe the Bible, then we know there's only one thing that we need, which is perfect love. Now, it sounds like searching for the end of the rainbow, doesn't it? Ja, Peter, natuurlijk. Maar waar is dit? Hoe krijg ik dit? What did Jesus say? There is no higher form of love. So if perfect love... You see, you wrote maths last week, no? I studied engineering, so I had two years of very, very difficult math. I mean, first year I was okay. Second year I was struggling. 50, 51, 52. But what I didn't know, God was forming in me a way of thinking that will help you. Because if we say perfect or complete love is what we need to cast out fear, and Jesus says on this side that there's no higher form of love. Can I say there's no more perfect love? Then whatever the answer is on this side, this is how calculus works, equals then the answer on, on this side. Remember physica formulas, you, you, you mal and deal, and then like, as long as it's across the escalacan, then it's within the rules. So when perfect love casts out fear, we're looking for what is perfect love. Amen? Because if we take perfect love, we sit it in hockeys, then we can take it out if it is on this side, and we can replace it. As an example, 1 Corinthians 13 says, 
Love, in the Passion Translation, is beautiful. It says, love is a safe place of shelter. Okay, this is an easy example. So what is love? Another verse in the Bible says, God is love. 1 John 4. So if love is a safe place of shelter and God equals love, we can take love out of that verse and we can put something in that is equal to it, which is God. Now think about this. God is a safe place of shelter. That's biblically sound, isn't it? It's not what the verse says, but that's what Bible study brings together. Amen. I hope that one helps you. Perfect love casts out fear. Jesus says there's no more perfect love than someone laying down his life for a friend. What is perfect love? It's the gospel. It's Jesus laying down his life for you. So perfect love is not something that you as a believer need to receive to deal with fear. Perfect love is something that you have to wake up to because you cannot be born again without perfect love. Because perfect love is Jesus laying down his life for you. So now that he has laid down his life for you, that's the gospel, now fear is dealt with. So where is the, the arc black? It's not in the spirit. It's not in reality. It's in our thinking. Because what John says, I wrote to you these miracles to preach the gospel. That same person, John, writes to us in 1 John 4 and he says, Perfect love casts out fear. I don't know what your challenge is this morning. But I'm willing to bet that in the, the roots of it, there's, there's fear. Fear of not making it to the end of the month. Fear of being kicked out of your accommodation. Fear of maybe losing your car because you can't make the payments. Fear of not seeing your family over Christmas. Or fear of seeing them. Right? <laughs> there's, there's two ways to that. Amen? You know, if we look at financial trouble... Really, the, the, the miracle of the 5,000 is a financial issue in the eyes of man. Because <laughs> what does the, the, the disciples say? Lord, we do not have enough money. Anyone read that part? We don't have enough money to feed them. I don't know where you are, but maybe this, like, Lord, I don't have enough money too, and you fill in the blank. Okay? Just do that quickly in your heart. I'm not saying, like, right Ferrari. <laughs> They're not winning these days, so I'm joking. Sorry, one of these. How does Jesus solve what the disciples perceive to be a money issue? Well, he does not solve it by money. That's profound. That, that, that's, that's deep. Because what we are trusting for is often not how God responds. Because God goes much deeper. They say, Lord, we don't have enough money. And Jesus says, I don't know why you're talking about that. You don't need money, you need food. Amen. I've shared this. I have a small example. So when we just went into ministry, I mean, 
I was as wild as you get in faith. You must just ask me not to work and I was on a mission trip or I was going. It was like I was, I was wild. I was, I was going for it. Amen. And I remember like we really needed partners. We needed finances. We needed stuff. And, and someone from my previous employment phoned me and he says, listen, man, I've got all these tomatoes. You see, I thought I needed food, money to buy food. He phones me and says, I've got these bags full of tomatoes. They're going off like I need to give them to someone. Do you want them? I went there and I had like, I think it was four chekersakis full of tomatoes. If you know me, I don't eat tomatoes. <laughs> but I love tomato soup. You see, I thought I needed money. God knew I needed food. So we made tomato soup for a whole day. So much so that we could give to people delicious, fresh tomato soup. What is it that you think you need? And what is it that you really need? The disciples thought they needed money. Jesus said, no, you need food. Okay, as an example. Interesting how the money issue doesn't get solved by money. Again, okay, the healing of the boy. He was sick and dying. Healing of a layman. Feeding a lot with a little. Principle of the seed of the kingdom. Overcoming the storm. Giving sight to the blind. And lastly, overcoming the devastation and destruction of death. Now let's look just at one. Specifically, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. It's, uh, it's recorded for us in John 5. In verse 1 it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews. We need to have more feasts, don't we? Yeah? So often miracles happen at feasts. Then Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem a sheep market, a pool by the sheep market. I mean, already you need to hear the cashless clockies. There's a pool, there's a sheep market, there's a shepherd. Like, this is bound to be something amazing. In Hebrew, it's called Bethesda, having five porches. I mean, even that is not insignificant. But in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, chapter, uh, verse 4 is interesting. And if you do Bible study, some manuscripts include it, some don't. It speaks about the angel that came down and, and, um, and stirred the waters. But really, it's not important. Because it's not about... What's this about? It's about the gospel. So the picture here is there's many people trying to get healing through either some stirring of the water, but by their own effort. They need someone or they need to roll into this water. And isn't that just a picture of religion? Trying to get healed, trying to, to get running, trying to get up in life, not by what God does, but by what we do. The Passion says hundreds of sick people were lying under the covered porches. The paralyzed, the blind, the crippled. All of them waiting for their healing. I didn't realize, but this could be a healing service this morning. Amen? Are you waiting for your healing? You came to the right place. Verse 5 in the Amplified says, There was a certain man there who had been ill for 38 years. Verse 6 says, When Jesus noticed him laying there, there was hundreds. Jesus noticed one. You feel lost in the crowd. You feel no one is seeing you. You feel God forgotten about you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He knows you by name. Amen? 
He knows you by name. Now listen to this question, and we need to answer it for ourselves. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to get well? You think yes, obviously yes, but it's not true for everyone. I've watched some of those, um, you know, those this is the Holy Spirit documentaries. And they're ministering to this guy in Spain. Opi Aswip, heroin addict. And they share with him the gospel and like they say, do you want to receive it? Do you want to be free? And they're actually recorded and you can see this turmoil because he's going to have to give up everything that he currently is, where he lives and like everything that his flesh is aching for, longing for, yearning for, keeping him captive to. And there's that gut-wrenching moment when he says, no, thank you. I'll rather stay a heroin addict. I'll rather stay in the pig style. You know, that's true for a lot of us in different degrees. I don't really want to be healed because... Why? It's become part of my identity. We've ministered to a guy in a wheelchair. And he's so built his life around his identity as someone in a wheelchair. You get attention. That it, it really goes into the heart of, do you want to get well? You see, Jesus didn't ask, like, can I have your hand? He said, can I have your life? Will you lay down your life? Will you lay down who you are? Crucified with Christ. So that you could be resurrected to who He says you are. Do you want to be made whole this morning? Blessing and cursing, life and death, I put in front of you. You choose. Do you want to, this morning, walk away from your past? From your mistakes, from your hurt, from what happened to you? Do you want to be made whole this morning? Jesus is standing with a big smile and says, I'm willing, are you? I'm willing, are you? You see, the man never makes it to the pool. Never makes it to the pool. Why? Jesus says, get up and walk. You don't need religion. I don't need your effort. You don't need an angel. You don't need to get into the pool. You need me. Get up and walk. You know what's miraculous? Gets Jesus into a lot of trouble, by the way. It's the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. It's probably the day where they were not expecting healing. Because what angel would work on the Sabbath? How unholy would that be? It's literally probably the one day that they were not expecting to get healed. Maybe you came here this morning not expecting much. Not expecting God to touch you. Not expecting the ministry of the Holy Spirit deep in the foundations of who you are. You see, Christianity is not about you have food on the table. 
It's about revealing Christ in you. We all have issues. Maybe we have symptoms. Maybe we have lack. Maybe we are afraid of dying. But guess what? You can get raised from the dead and still go to hell. As miraculous as that could be. So what is the greatest miracle? It's being born again. I asked you earlier, what do you need? You need to be born again. Amen? Do you want to get well? Verse 7. The invalid answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming to get into it myself, someone else steps down ahead of me. Doesn't answer the question. It's given an excuse. This is profound of humanity, isn't it? Why did you eat of the tree? No, it was my wife. <laughs> Ask the wife, why did you eat of the tree? No, it was the snake. I'm such a victim. I can't, like, life has been tough. Life has been this, life. Answer the question this morning. Listen to Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in Him as personal Lord and Savior. For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being. Has that become true for you? Has set you free from the law of sin and death? For what the law could not do, what the lame man could not do, Lord, I cannot get healed because I cannot get into the water. I'm lame. How lame is that? Like, uh, what would a Sunday be without a lame joke? <laughs> Some of you got it only a bit later. Lord, I'm trying. I'm like, I've been to church on Sunday. I've even visited the life group, but I don't think they like me. Like, Lord, I don't know. I can't get made whole. I can't get rid of this. I can't get healed. What the law could not do has been done for you. What the law could not do. Why? Because it was weak by the flesh. Man's nature without the Holy Spirit. I love that amplification. I could not get into the waters. You don't have to. You don't have to. You see, they set up a set of rules to get healed. When the water stirs, I need to get in. And they got healed. That's faith. <laughs> if I only touch, if I only get there, if I only do this. But what the law could not do, God did. I'm going to say it again. We are preaching law. Maybe not you, but like globally. And the law cannot do what we're trying for the law to do. We're preaching law to gangsters. And it's not changing anyone. We want the Ten Commandments in our schools... And then we wonder why do people not go to church when they have to choose for themselves. 
for what the law could not do, God did. How? Because now we think we need to help him. <laughs> you do your best, God does the rest. No. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh. Subdued it and overcame it in the person of his own son. It's done. Get up and walk. You don't need to get into the waters. You don't need to fast 40 days. You don't need to touch the holy waters or like go to the mount, mountain. You just need to receive Him. Because He is the healer. When you receive Him, you receive the provider. Amen? When you receive Him, you receive eternal life. The one who... I read this yesterday in a children's Bible. That was like profound. It says, the, 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 the truth displaced the lie of death. The truth, Christ, displaced, overcame the lie of death. Because now even when we die, it's a, it's a lie. Because <laughs> Jesus said you only sleep. It's meaning you wake up and it's eternity. Do you want to get well? John 5, 8. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. You see, sometimes Jesus doesn't wait for your answer. Because he's afraid you're going to mess it up. <laughs> Do you respond to get up? Be born again. Live this life. I want to say, without the law, because you fulfilled the law. And now you can actually live according to what you thought the law would accomplish. And now you can actually live more according to the law than you ever did trying. Meaning more holy, less offensive. I think I became more offensive. But in my message. <laughs> Not in being offended or if, like, I'm not offending people left, right and center. Because the word says, blessed are the peacemakers. Sometimes people are offended with me. Sometimes some of you have been offended with me. Sometimes maybe some of you are offended with me. <laughs> Jesus said it's good if you're not offended. Amen? But let it not be personal. Let it be about the message. Because let the truth displace the lies that we hold on to. And sometimes it's, it's, it's going to take some letting go of the flesh. Amen. Like Christy said to us, cutting away. How much are you going to let the Holy Spirit cut away? Immediately the man was made whole. Geen proces van heilig maken. If you don't know what that is, don't worry. If you do, <laughs> it will set you free. Amen. Immediately. And he took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Dum, dum, dum. We know the story continues, but not for today. What is the significance of this? Strengthen the weakened knees. Anyone heard of that? It's, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm like studying it out. I'm like, because how do we read the Bible? We've got Moses, the foundation. First five books. We've got the prophets. 
who's looking and reading the foundations, the scriptures, the scrolls, and they're getting revelation of what it's trying to portray, and they, they, they're starting to draw the picture which points to Christ. We've got the wisdom books, and even Psalms is prophetic. And we, we read that, Psalm 22, for one, is like super Jesus, amen? Then we have four books where this says, this is what was coming, this is how it happened. Like Jesus walking on earth. I believe John is a little different. He just showed us. I'm not just telling you the story. I'm getting you born again. <laughs> if you read this correct. Then we have the book of Acts, which is just how the first church evolved. And how they grew and matured. And then we have the epistles. Thank God for the epistles. Amen. Because now the epistles explains to us what happened and what was prophesied. And it quotes from the Old Testament. So really think about this. The Old Testament is your handbook. We're not chase, chucking it out because we're grace people. It's your handbook. The epistles is the PowerPoint notes. It's the summary of what has been promised and now what has come to pass. So when we read in Hebrews that God says that I want to strengthen the weakened knees, in a good Bible it will be italicized and tabbed in and will have a footnote or a cross-reference. And it references back to Isaiah 35. And if you go to Isaiah 35... Some Bibles give you the reference, some don't, or then you search it. It actually goes to Job 4. Okay, I'm still studying it out. I couldn't go further back. Like I couldn't find another reference. I'm sure there are. So Isaiah 35 says, in the New Living Translation, Even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. Amen. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. What's he talking about? It's not heaven, where God has put his nice flowers. No, this is prophetic. This is salvation. Yes, there will be. Deserts will come as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. So he's prophesying about Christ. He's prophesying about the Messiah. We will make the parched land green again. Then he says, with this news... The New Living Translation does us a favor there. It says, with this news. What news? The first three verses. The kingdom come. The Messiah is on his way. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. With what news? The gospel. The gospel is what you need. Amen? The Amplified Classic says in verse 5, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble and tottering knees. Sorry, verse 3. Tottering. I had to look up the definition. It's a big English word. It means shaking, wobbly. Amen? The weak hands, the, the, the feeble, tottering knees. Now, you know, in Afrikaans, to move in a feeble or unsteady way, to shake or sway as is about to collapse, to be insecure or about to fall. Anyone ever experienced like uh, you, you've got this interview or public speaking or like you feel like the jelly, jelly bean? Speaks about that in a deep way of insecurity. About to fall. Like those who you're trying to run, but like sometimes you, your legs are just tired. If you do a marathon or something, like you, like you, 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 you just can't. You see the comrades. So there's two reasons to have tottering knees. It's either tiredness or anxiety. 
The gospel deals with both. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary, tottering knees, and heavy laden, bent over, bent knees, and I will give you rest. He says, come to me all who are fearful, and I will give you love. So how do we overcome anxiety and tiredness? Fear. The gospel. With this news. Not with some program. Not with, 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 with whatever. Not with a better diet. It's good to have a good diet, amen? Because you are carriers of the gospel. So you better live long. Amen? So you can share the gospel for a long time. Because to live is opportunities for Christ, Paul says. To have tottering knees means to, to be fearful. He says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble, tottering knees. Now, if you're not convinced yet, verse 4 says, say to those who are fearful. Say to those who are fearful. Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. These things happened. John the Baptist says, is he even the Christ? He's in prison. He's rotting away. He sends his disciples to Jesus, and Jesus answers, tell John. And he quotes from Isaiah. The blind see, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. Dead are raised, walking around. The greatest prophet of the Old Testament needs some reminding. You and I live in a place where we know it's not only talking about physical healing, it's speaking about spiritual truth. That puts you in a position to be more effective than the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And if you think that's too much, read Hebrews 11.38. It says, they without us could not become perfect. But now the Christ has come. The Spirit's poured out. So I'm listening to the song of Let Revival Come again this morning. And I'm like, oh Christian, we need to pray, let revival out. Let me rephrase, we need to stop praying for revival. We need to start preaching the gospel and revival will come. The thing with revival for me is it has come. I'm no longer dead. I've been revived. How? The gospel. So how will revival come? When I share the gospel and people who are walking dead become alive again. Listen to verse 6. Remember we're talking about the man at the pool of Bethesda. And I'm trying to show you that it's the gospel happening in front of their eyes. Isaiah 35, 6 says, Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. You see, God doesn't just restore to what you think. Lord, I just want to stand. Lord, I just want to walk. He says, no, you can leap like a deer. You can jump up and down. You can run up mountains. You cannot get tired. Whatever you think you need, God is more for you. The tongue of the dumb shall sing for joy, for waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Isaiah 12 says, Now draw deep from the wells of salvation that's on the inside of you. 1 John 4, I'm wrapping this up, says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment, anxiety, torment, lack, 
He that fears is not made perfect in love. Not saying needs more love. Just saying that your mind has not been renewed to the fullness of how much God loves you. How do we do that? Jesus says there's no higher form of love than a man laying down his life. So you need to agree with Jesus. If you agree with Jesus and that is true and you believe that he died for you, then what more can he do to prove his love for you? See, but we're waiting for that promise and we're waiting for the ship to come in. He says, but that's not the highest testimony of my love for you. The highest testimony of my love for you is the fact that I died on a cross for you. If He's given us the best, won't He give us the rest? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. See, we're trusting God for things when we've got God. Be content with what you have. Contentment is not making peace with what you don't have. Contentment is celebrating what you do have. Because you have Christ. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that as we dig into your word, that you always, <laughs> you always show off. You always show us more. You always take us deeper. Listen to this as you close your eyes. Herein is love. Listen, you need love. I hope you agree with me. Not that we loved God. Not that you got in the pool when the waters were shaking. Not that you, in your lameness, made the part, like did your best so God could do the rest. No. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the payment of our sins. That confirms what I just said to you. The highest form of love. The highest announcement of God's love for you. The highest picture of love, the highest announcement, the, the, whatever word you want to put there, God showing him in what he did. God showing you how much he loves you is not when you have more money. God showing you how much he loves you is not when you find the spouse that you've been praying for. God showing you how much he loves you is that he sent his son to be the payment for your sins. Amen? When you have that, you sort it. I know there's other things that you need, but that's what you want, really. What you need is eternity. What you need is eternal life. That's the foundation on which we build. And when we were lame, now we can walk around, run around like, like deer. Listen to Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 19. It says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall not yield meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. There shall be no herd in the stalls. This guy's got some issues, don't he? Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Will, um, I will joy in the God of my salvation. If an Old Testament prophet can live there, trusting on a promise, you and I have the fullness, the perfection. Can you say this morning, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. I love this. He is that to me. He makes my feet like hinds or deer's feet, and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk. That's a word for someone. Like you're standing in terror, waiting for God to show up. God has shown up. Amen. <laughs> Waiting for God to move. God has moved. Waiting for revival. You are revived. Amen? 
and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering or responsibility. Lord, thank you that whatever feels too much right now, we can just lay it at your feet. Whatever we're fearful, anxious about, whatever lack there is in, in the church here this morning, Father, we just acknowledge the fact that you have paid the highest price. That you are the God of our salvation. That we don't need to get into the pool to walk again, Father. We don't need to bring our efforts to the table. But we can run, Father. Not just run, we can jump. We can go in the, in, in the untrodden places, Father. We can get off the main road. And we can find joy in the mountaintops, Father. We can find joy in the unreached places, Father. We can take you there. We can take the joy of our salvation, the message of the gospel, the truth of who we are, the identity we have, the sons of God that we are, into the world, Father. No longer being dotted down or trodden down by the law, Father, by the requirements of the law. For what the law could not do, Lord, you did. You did, Father, past tense. It's done. It's ours. It's, it's our, our new identity. And like my Lisa said this morning, if something needs shaking, I hope that it's shaken. Amen? Because the Word says there's everything that should, could be shaken should. So that you realize what is true. The gospel cannot be shaken. Amen? Financial markets can be shaken. World Cups can result in, 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 in shaky relationships. Amen? Or unhappy people. The pastors in New Zealand have a difficult job this morning, I'm sure. Guess what? There's going to be another World Cup. Amen? But you only have one chance to live eternity in this life. Start early. That's a word for someone. Start early. Don't wait. Don't wait for retirement. Don't wait till you grow this. Like, just, just live this life. All out. Amen? You've got nothing to lose because of who's in you. Amen? Thank you. Thank you. May you be awakened to the reality of Christianity. And may you go out with joy, proclaiming. And I want to say, go on those mountains this week. Those places where you were too afraid to, to go. Those people you haven't shared with yet. Those people who are waiting to hear your testimony of God's goodness. At work or wherever, like Many go on the highway, but we go the Christ way. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca.